Good morning. So uh, when I was asked to preach, um, I wasn't given a theme. Um, those of you who have preached before, uh, this can be a bit of a difficult situation, and so I, um, I thought I would take the easy way out and pick one of my favorite scripture passages. Um, I, this is really one of my all-time favorite passages of scripture. Uh, it has been with me for a long time, and I think it's good enough to warrant seconds, so I'm going to read the whole thing again if you'd like to follow along. My, brothers and, my sisters and brothers, what good is it to profess faith without practicing it? Such faith has no power to save. If any are in need of clothes and have no food to live on, and one of you says to them, goodbye and good luck, stay warm and well-fed, without giving them the bare necessities of life, then what good is this? So it is with faith. If good deeds don't go with it, faith is dead. Some of you will say that you have faith and while I have deeds, fine. I'll prove to you that I have faith by showing you my good deeds. Now you prove to me that you have faith without any good deeds to show. You believe in the one God, fine, but even the demons have the same belief and they tremble with fear. Don't you realize, you idiots, that faith without good deeds is useless? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham justified by his actions when he offered his child Isaac on the altar? There you see proof proof that faith and deeds were working together and that faith was made complete by the deeds. You also see that the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and was credited to him as justice. This is why he is called the friend of God. So you see, people are justified by their works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, wasn't even Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and showed them a different way to leave? Be assured then that faith without works is as dead as a body without a spirit. So, you know, something light and breezy that I should have no problem preaching for the full 45 minutes that I've been allotted this morning. <laughs> well, uh, as it turns out, when you um, read the same passage hundreds of times over um, several decades, uh, you can forget that there really is a lot to this uh, passage. And I confess, at Saturday, or yesterday, at 11.30, um, this kind of caught me off guard and um, made for a bit of a late night last night. A disclaimer, though. I'm not a theologian, and to be perfectly honest, while I'm incredibly grateful to those in my life who uh, have spent real time and effort uh, doing theology, uh, I've never had a particularly keen interest in the subject. Maybe I should have mentioned that before I said yes to preaching, so. Unfortunately, you're stuck with me now. But that's really one of the things that I love about this passage. This, uh, there's this radical message that uh, what we do uh, holds equal ground with our faith, that this external expression um, is, is as every bit as important as what I do in my own home at 11.30 p.m. the night before I have to preach. I find that the message of this passage uh, gives me freedom to express my faith through my actions. And as someone, the, the phrase, don't you realize, you idiots, that faith without good deeds is useless. I do try to live my life in such a way that I am not an idiot. 
One of the main criticisms that I hear about Christianity as, as a whole, uh, especially from those uh, unfamiliar with, with what we do in church, um, is that we can sometimes lack actions when our words uh, seem to say one thing and our deeds seem to say another thing. You hear this when you um, hear quotes the, you know, I love Jesus, but I could do without Christians, or, um, you know, this can manifest in, in a rejection of organized religion as a whole. Um, and, and there's some, some truth to that. Uh, the residential school system in Canada was uh, in large part an, out, an outreach of the church. And this shouldn't surprise us. The church is made up of human beings who, um, of course, will fall short and, um, and not live up to, to their call to, to live well in this world. But it, it isn't just always that our um, actions don't necessarily line up with our values, our, or our values may not line up with our actions. Our, it can go the other way. In our increasingly complex world, this is a near certainty. For example, if you drive a car, you can choose between adding carbon emissions to our environment, or you can get an electric car, and you can use, and which is built with materials that are often mined using exploited human labor and do contribute to envir environmental degradation in the places that they are mined. This is not to say that, you know, we're, we're hooped no matter what, but rather that we need to acknowledge this complexity and that there's no one-size-fits-all way for us to bring our faith and works together. Sorry about that. One piece of good news is that this complexity can, can have real opportunities. For example, the, your cell phone and the GPS in it is a piece of military technology that was launched into space using rockets originally designed to deliver nuclear weapons. GPS is now used uh, not only to help us find where we're going, but it's used by all manner of emergency responders and, and other um, groups that are doing real good work in this world. We do live in a complex world, and we're not always going to do the right thing, even when we want to. So this passage uh, has, has this call to hold our works on equal ground with our faith. And I, I'd like to examine what this might look like. For those of you who don't know, for several years, I, uh, I worked at a knife and sword store. Um, this, uh, at the time, I, I felt that I was able to justify this in a number of ways. You know, it paid the bills, I gained new skills. Um, you know, I got to work with people, all things that I enjoy doing. But ultimately, this was not a positive experience for me, and it was detrimental to my well-being. I found myself in many situations where I felt that I could choose between doing what I believed to be right and making a sale. There were lots of people in there buying knives for all sorts of purposes, some of which are, are valuable and, and important things. You know, we, there were lots of chefs and that sort of thing, um, but there were also lots of people buying knives for purposes that, that I don't think any of us would, would call a, a good reason. While working at this job, I was reminded that our society often has a very unhealthy expectation of what work should be. We measure the worth of our job by how much it pays or how much responsibility we have. We stigmatize those who are under and unemployed, 
and we measure our self-worth by what we do for work. We need only to look at the named characters in this passage to realize that, that that's a human creation that is not, uh, does not contribute to our well-being. We have Abraham, his son Isaac, and we have Rahab, who those biblical scholars among you uh, may remember as the sex worker who hid Israelite spies in Jericho. By placing these figures side by side, James is reminding us that the kingdom of God is made up not only of people who, work, who do work that is valued by society, but also made up of those who are working at jobs that clash with our values or are unemployed or are toiling away at a job that they don't like, but it pays the bills. Put another way, what matters is that we do our best to live out our faith in our lives, whatever our circumstances. One of the ways that I cultivate my own spiritual health is, and learn is from the example of others. Last year, I had the opportunity to visit an MCC partner doing peace-building work in the Israeli-occupied West Bank. When we arrived at this, uh, at WIAM, which is a conflict transformation center, we were taken to the rooftop to meet with the director of the center, Zudbi Al-Zudbi. We listened to his stories of being sprayed with skunk water, which is a putrid spray used by the Israeli Defense Force. Um, it's marketed as a riot dispersal method, but in reality it's used to create uh, a zone of hostility around their separation wall. WIAM is constantly sprayed with this stuff. And what is the response of Zudbi al-Zudbi? In his words, we sit up here, we laugh, and we welcome anyone who wishes to come here. Th this was such a powerful response uh, for, to see uh, in the face of such incredible oppression and uh, mistreatment that his response is to drink tea and laugh and build community with those who wish to join him. But I think one of the things that I'm most grateful for when, it, when we talk about examples of faith is the one right here. I've grown up at Wildwood, and this has, for me, been a community that has shown me and continues to show me how to live and work faithfully. One of my favorite parts of church uh, is the commitment that we make to each other to walk with each other in our faith journey. We talk about this when we uh, use the term provoking each other to love and good deeds. It is no hyperbole to say that without Wildwood, I would not be the person I am today, which I hope is a good thing. And, you know, I really do think that you all realize, you idiots, that faith without good deeds is useless. <laughs> so thank you, and, and keep, keep up the good works. <laughs>